0: Hi, hello, and welcome to Ball Don't Lie, episode number 56 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Adi Elmore. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Week two of the NFL is in the books. There's something I want to get to about LeBron James that really excites me. And... I don't, I don't know where exactly we're going to go with all this. I've got it all written down. I blanked on my rundown to start this show, where I normally tell you everything you're going to hear. There you hear my phone. We're off to a heck of a start as I record this at 8.11 p.m. on Tuesday, September the 22nd. We are going to talk about the NFL. There will be three and out on this episode. We will run through week two and the recap and everything that I heard. You'll hear three and out in the second segment of this podcast about uh, my three biggest takeaways from week two. And there were a lot of takeaways from week two. And uh, I just love the NFL and excited about that. But we're going to lead, actually, with the NBA. Some of you, I know, pick your jaws up off the floor. I'm leading a podcast episode with the NBA. I understand. But this is one of my favorite stories of the entire NBA season. Let me, let me first preface a couple of things. Number one, I'm going to be talking about LeBron James and the peep feel about LeBron James, uh, kind of how I think and how I feel about LeBron. Uh, I grew up coming to the NBA and in his rise to stardom coming from Northeast Ohio. I was living in Northwest Ohio in a town called Finley, and LeBron James might as well have been God at the time. Uh, I had LeBron bobbleheads. I still have a whole bunch of LeBron uh, rookie cards. I had LeBron jerseys. I was all in on LeBron, me and one of my best friends at the time, Ryan Studebaker. Shout out Ryan Studebaker. No idea what he's doing these days. But we were all in LeBron James. That was our guy. Loved the NBA. I loved the NBA at that point as a child like I love the NFL now as a grown adult. And like the NBA was always my favorite. And I loved LeBron because it's like, oh, Ohio kid, you know, I didn't even care much about teams at that point. Allen Iverson was still in the league. He was still my favorite player. But like you had LeBron and like, oh, cool. Like I didn't care about the Cavs. I didn't hate them yet. I was too young at that point in time to realize. And even though this was a critical time in my upbringing, my father had been raising me to hate everything that comes from Cleveland. And I thank him for that. But I hadn't yet realized and, and understood that. Uh, And then later on in life, I come to realize that nothing good comes from Cleveland. We don't root for Cleveland. We don't wish any sort of success on that city in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. And so then you kind of don't want them to do well. But I never felt any sort of ill will toward LeBron James. And then LeBron James did one of the most heroic things I think an athlete can ever do in the way that he hurt Cleveland. So to me, LeBron James will always be a hero and always be grateful for the way that he hurt Cleveland. When he left and went to Miami, those people were distraught. He wrecked their economy. They burnt jerseys. It was awful, awful time to be in Cleveland, and that made me happy. And so I'm grateful to LeBron for that. Then I went and saw him play some of the most incredible, incredible basketball for the Miami Heat. Uh, thinking back on those days, that that those teams were so much fun to watch, even when they lost in the in the first finals that they went to against the Dallas Mavericks, they were so fun to watch, and you know, with, with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, eventually Ray Allen there towards the end, it was just, it was really, really interesting. And I became at that point starting to understand just the, the level at which LeBron was performing. And then unfortunately LeBron decided to come back to Cleveland. And, you know, obviously that didn't make me happy, but um, it did. I did enjoy seeing him fail at first and for them not playing very well. And then obviously he goes and wins a championship for the city of Cleveland. And I, I, as much as I hate that and I loathe it and despise it, I do respect it. And so LeBron has always been, I've been more or less, as I've, as I've gotten older, indifferent about his career. I haven't, like, loved him. I haven't, like, hated him. Um, I have i will always probably think that, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, that he's the third best player in the history of basketball, and I'm not going to get into that argument. But I do like LeBron in his kind of, don't give an F mentality towards the end of his career and when it comes playoff time and LeBron for every year in his career, you could make the argument that he's the most valuable player in the NBA. He has finished second MVP voting plenty of times, too many times probably. And there are times when he just simply got flat out robbed. And this year he did not win the MVP. It was announced uh, earlier this weekend or this past weekend that um, Giannis Kumpo from the Milwaukee Bucks. And I may have just butchered his name. I don't know. But it was, it was announced that he had won the MVP award. Good for him. Great player. I don't know that you could make a legitimate argument for LeBron during the regular season as an MVP when you compare him to, to Giannis. I don't know if you could make that argument. But that didn't hold LeBron back from being upset about the fact that he only got 16 first-place votes for the mvp award 16 all things considered only 16 votes and i really loved what lebron said to the media here's lebron talking about only getting 16 votes first place votes for the mvp
1: um pissed me off That's my truly that's my true answer um it pissed me off because um out of 101 votes i got 16 first first place votes um that's what pissed me off more than anything. Um, you know, not saying that um, you know the the winner wasn't deserving of the MVP, um, but that pissed me off. Um, and I finished second a lot in my in my career, um, either from a championship, and now four times as an MVP. Um, you know, uh, like I said, I never I never came into this league saying let me, uh, be MVP or. or you know, be a champion. I've always said I just want to get better and better every single day. And uh, those things take care of yourself. Um, There's some things that's just out of my hand and some things you can't control. Um, But it pissed me off.
0: You know, one thing in this business that I always want and I root for and I always think athletes should do a better job of is transparency. Tell us how you feel. Tell us what you think. I think more athletes are getting comfortable doing that. And I appreciate LeBron taking the lead on that situation. You know, I love hearing him say, I'm pissed off. It pissed me off. I thought that I deserve more votes. Like, I love that from an athlete. I love that LeBron said, I should have gotten more votes. I love that he said it pissed him off. I love that it it's something he can use to fuel him. And, you know, unfortunately, people do not treat LeBron James with the same, they don't treat him the same as they do Michael Jordan. Because if you look at, earlier this summer when The Last Dance came out, Michael Jordan talked about and his teammates talked about over the course of the documentary how Michael would just make things up and make them up to use them as motivation to play better, to just dominate a, a particular player or to to ri- rise his his level of play in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, he obviously had other things to motivate him, but there were times when he would lack motivation and he would find something to to just flip the switch and try to kill somebody on the court. And, you know, LeBron is essentially doing the same thing. You know, it's kind of become a meme when Michael said that he took that personally when different things happened throughout the course of his career and he would say that he took it personally. Well, this is the same situation. LeBron's taking it personally that only 16 votes were cast for him to win the MVP. He thinks there should be more. And so he's going to use that to fuel him, much in the same way Michael Jordan would do, much in the same way Kobe Bryant would do. And he's going to use that to try to propel his team to the NBA Finals. Right now, they're up two games to none over the L.A. Clippers. Excuse me. Wow. That's what it was supposed to be. Over the Denver Nuggets, two games to none over the Denver Nuggets after Anthony Davis hit a game-winning buzzer-beater three-point shot on Sunday, and I just I I don't appreciate that there's a double standard in the way we treat LeBron. Being honest and upfront about it, and I love the fact that he's honest and upfront about it, and I wish more athletes were transparent transparent in the sense that they just tell us how they feel, uh, what they think when it comes to these particular situations, and how they use that. Uh, to to fuel them. So that's my opening monologue, my big rant about LeBron James. I don't even know if you could call it a rant, but those are my thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, etc. Listen, if you're not already, follow me on social media. It's at Audie Elmore, A U T Y E L M O R E. Basically, just Twitter and Instagram. I've been firing off some good tweets and some uh, good Instagram posts uh, as of late. So appreciate that. Let me also tell you very quickly about Thrive Fantasy. You've heard me talking about it the last couple of weeks. Thrive Fantasy has been very, very good to me through the first two weeks of the NFL season. Let me tell you just how good. Already made $135 off the Thrive Fantasy app in just two weeks of the NFL. You can do that too. Go to Thrive Fantasy, download the app, and uh, use the promo code Audi when you sign up. A-U-T-Y, and they will uh, instantly match your, fir- your first deposit, minimum of $20. They'll match anything up to 50 now. Now, when this thing first started, they would match 20 right away. They're matching anything up to $50. So that means if you put in $50, boom, you get $100 right away. Thrive Fantasy is doing that. They've got thousands and thousands of dollars of guaranteed prizes coming up for week three in the National Football League. They've also got golf. They've got, I think, the NHL. They've got uh, Counter-Strike on there if you're into eSports. So go check out and download the Thrive Fantasy app when you make your first deposit. Download promo code ADI and uh, – you too can be a winner. Hashtag prop up with Thrive Fantasy. So speaking of the NFL, there are a few things uh, to take away. There were some surprises. Um let's start by recapping the let's let's start by recapping week two in the National Football League. It got started with our Cincinnati Bengals. Our Cincinnati Bengals got things started as I'm trying to pull this up here and my, my computer just crashed out on me. Our Cincinnati Bengals get everything started with a 35-30 loss to the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football. I think Joe Burrow played really well. Once again, man, he threw that thing like 60-some times. He was running for his life in a lot of occasions. I continue to wonder just how the people in the Bengals organization sleep at night knowing that, Bobby Hart and company are protecting him and protecting their franchise. But the Bengals fall to 0 and 2, the Browns go to 1 and 1 with a 35-30 victory. Joe Burrow is the first rookie in NFL history with 60 or more pass attempts and zero interceptions in a game. The Chicago Bears are 2 and 0. They took down the Giants 17 to 13, Chicago's first 2 and 0 start for the or excuse me, their fifth 2 and 0 start since 1993 bad news for the Giants though Saquon Barkley out for the season more on that later Cowboys and the Falcons undoubtedly the game of the day Dallas seemingly left for dead midway through the fourth quarter they come back somehow win 40 to 39 and beat the Atlanta Falcons Atlanta falls to 0-2 Greg Zerline the game winning 46 yard field goal as time expired The Detroit Lions, they blew a double-digit lead as well. They lost 42-21 to the Green Bay Packers, who are now 2-0 and 24-3 at home against Detroit since 1994. The Vikings looked god-awful, but Jonathan Taylor didn't for the Indianapolis Colts. He's the first Colts rookie with 100-plus rush yards since 2012. Indy takes down Minnesota 28-11. The Vikings are 0-2, the Colts 1-1. Bills over the Dolphins 31-28. Buffalo's 2-0. Josh Allen 417 passing yards and four passing touchdowns. Both of those career highs. 49ers and the Jets. Niners win 31-13. San Francisco 7-1 and on the road versus the Jets all time. But San Francisco very banged up in that game. Again, more on the injuries later. Eagles-Rams. Philly drops to 0-2. The Rams an impressive 2-0 with a 37-19 victory over Philadelphia. Tyler Higbee of the Rams had three receiving touchdowns, a career high for him. Broncos and the Steelers, Denver 0-2 for the fourth time since the 1970 merger as they fall to Pittsburgh, 26-21. Pittsburgh goes to 2-0, another big injury in this game. Speaking of another big injury, another one in this game. Are you sensing a theme here? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Carolina Panthers, 31-17. Carolina to 0-2, Tampa to 1-1. Tom Brady, the second player in NFL history with 75,000 passing yards. Unbelievable. Jags at the Titans. The Titans win at 33-30 in a thriller. Jacksonville has been a lot more impressive than people expected them to be. And uh, Tennessee has their first 2-0 start since 2008. The Washington football team traveled out west to Arizona. They took on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. The Cardinals made quick work of them, 30-15. The final, Kyler Murray, 158 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns through his first two weeks. Arizona's 2-0. Ravens and Texans, Lamar Jackson against Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson gets the best of them this time. They've won five straight games, by five straight regular season games by 16 or more points, has Baltimore. They win this one 33-16. to Houston falls 2-0-2. Chiefs and the Chargers. Chiefs had a bit of a scare out there at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Harrison Butker, a game-winning 58-yard field goal in overtime, which he actually hit like three times before it actually counted. Chiefs go to 2-0, Chargers 1-1. Really, really good game on Sunday Night Football. Russell Wilson continues to show why he is a legitimate MVP candidate. Nine passing touchdowns in his first two games, of the through the first two games to start the year. They beat the Patriots 35-30. Cam Newton, very impressive in that game as well. And maybe your surprise of the week, no Michael Thomas, an, an aging Drew Brees, And the New Orleans Saints fall to the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas Raiders opening up Allegiant Stadium out there in Nevada with a 34-24 win. The Raiders, like I said earlier a couple weeks ago, sneaky good team. Sneaky good team. They're 2-0. They've scored 30-plus points in two straight games for the first time since 2016. So you are up to date on the latest from the NFL Week 2. Coming up, I'll give you three and out, my three biggest takeaways from Week 2. And we'll talk a little bit about the MLB playoff race and some other happenings around sports. You're listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The OGs, the great ones. They remember this music. It is time. For three and out here on the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Audie Elmore. This is episode number fifty-six. Three and out. My three things I took away from NFL Sunday Week Two. Number one, it was bloody, and I mean bloody—a bloody, bloody Sunday in the National Football League. Superstars going down throughout the league. You've got Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers. He's got a torn ACL. He's out for the season, it seems. You've got Saquon Barkley, who injured his ACL. He's out for the season. The 49ers had several injuries. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo in the – Garoppolo, I should say, with an ankle injury. Christian McCaffrey left the game with an ankle injury. He's going to miss several weeks. Uh, you've got C.J. Uzama from the Cincinnati Bengals with a torn Achilles. He's out for the season. Richie Incognito had a Achilles injury on Monday night. Drew Locke suffered a serious shoulder injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's out for a few weeks. The Broncos signed Blake Bortles to back him up, actually to back up Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, uh, which, by the way, Jeff Driscoll, wherever he goes, the starter gets hurt, and he ends up having to play. So if you're an NFL team, don't sign Jeff Driscoll, okay? Thank you. So a bloody, bloody Sunday, and this is something that a lot of people kind of expected because of the lack of sufficient NFL quality training that these players weren't able to get during the off season because of coronavirus and the issues that they faced. And uh, you're going to see some soft tissue injuries. You're going to see some Achilles injuries. Same thing happened in 2011 when the league was locked out over the labor dispute. There were a ton more ACL and Achilles injuries than they had seen in the last several years just because players were not able to get to the facilities and work out the way that they normally do. And so far this season, you're already seeing the same thing. Tyrod Taylor, by the way, had a strange chest injury that I'm going to talk about in second down. But first down here, it, it the thing that I find the, the most interesting part of it is the San Francisco 49ers. They lost four starters on Sunday. And here's the thing. They're playing at MetLife Stadium against the New York Jets. They play in week four, again, at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. And New York, the, that stadium has already been the subject of a couple issues with injuries. The Pittsburgh Steelers complained about some injuries when they played the Giants on Monday Night Football a couple years uh, uh, in Week One, and then the, a lot of the guys in San Francisco are saying, "Hey, you know, there's a problem with this turf. It's too sticky. It's too tall. Uh, it's I believe it's new, and you know, there's no give in it. And guys are more likely to tear ligaments in doing so. The Jets have had a few injuries. I think they lost a receiver for this season. So it's just really." It's really, really strange and something to keep an eye on as the NFL looks into that. They won't say anything here or there on the turf. But you have seen more teams switch back to natural grass lately uh, because of it. Mark Davis said at Allegiant Stadium that that was a deal-breaker for him. It had to be natural grass, not artificial turf, or it wouldn't have happened. Um, so he gets that. Arizona has a retractable artificial turf. The Baltimore Ravens, um, uh, they have a retractable natural grass. The Baltimore Ravens went from artificial turf back to natural grass a couple of years ago. You'll see uh, more teams doing that, I think, as time goes on and these injuries continue. Not just this year, but in general. That's first down, a bloody Sunday in the NFL. Second down, like I said, Tyrod Taylor had these weird chest pains, these injuries. He had an injection before the game, and then he started feeling worse as a complication from the injection. Speaking of a guy that always gets hurt and the backup has to play, Tyrod Taylor. This I feel like this has happened to him several times. It happened to him in Cleveland. It happened to him in Buffalo where he just he, he's finally given the nod to be the guy and then something weird happens and all of a sudden the guy backing him up plays great, and that's exactly what Justin Herbert did. Justin Herbert played tremendous in place of Tyrod Taylor on Sunday And uh, it was very, very impressive for a rookie quarterback to come in and play play the way he did, not only, you know, in that situation, but against the world champions, against the Kansas City Chiefs in a brand-new stadium. Obviously nobody there, but still the idea that he was playing against that team and to play as well as he did was really impressive. Justin Herbert, the first-round pick out of Oregon, 22 for 33, 311 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He also ran the ball uh, for a touchdown. If the, uh, the rushing stats will come up here, here they are. Justin Herbert, four carries, 18 yards, and a touchdown. He was just really, really impressive for the L.A. Chargers on Sunday. That's second down. Third down, speaking of very, very impressive, was Cam Newton. Cam Newton is back, folks. Cam Newton looks very good for the New England Patriots. They are doing something that they have not done since Tom Brady was there. They are playing 11 on 11 football. Cam Newton is mobile. He's getting out of the pocket. His arm looks strong. His shoulder looks healthy. He's not afraid to change the calls at the line of scrimmage. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and run. He has been everything the Patriots have asked him to be and then some. And they had no business really being in the game at the end of the game Sunday night. Cam let him down the field with ease. I don't know if that's an indictment on Seattle's defense as much as it's a problem to face Cam Newton right now. And Josh McDaniels is getting creative and especially down at the goal line. Now they ran the same play they had run a couple times to try to win the game right there at the very end. It didn't work. Seattle snuffed it out. But I think the Patriots, despite the, I think, lead, league-leading, like 9 or 10, 8, 9, 10 opt-outs that they had, and the question mark that was the quarterback position post Tom Brady and the question mark in general that was Cam Newton coming into New England, they might be a really good football team. Obviously, you've got the best coach in the history of football in Bill Belichick. Their defense is good enough. And, again, this is without their two best players in Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower on that defense, you wonder, you know, You wondered going in, what are they going to be? This is the Bills' division to lose. And very well very well, still could be that. But New England's good, and they're not going to be a pushover this year like some people expected them to be. I don't know if they're great. It's only two weeks, and there's going to be more tape on Cam as time goes on. But I do know that Cam Newton is officially back and looked like the Cam Newton of old on Sunday night. So... That is three and out. Let me shift gears here quickly as we start to move towards the end of episode number 56 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. A couple people, a couple thoughts I want to share here towards the end. First and foremost, Major League Baseball. Um, The Cincinnati Reds, hello. The Reds are alive. They are above five hundred for the first time in a non-opening day game. Since May fourteenth, two thousand and seventeen. Now, as I as I am recording this, it is uh, currently they're down three to two to the Milwaukee Brewers. If they lose, they'll go back to five hundred. But they beat Milwaukee on Monday night to go to to move into a tie. I guess for I don't even know like the, the baseball postseason standings right now are insane. As I am recording this in Major League Baseball. When it comes to the postseason standings, which, by the way, it's an expanded postseason. I've talked about it before. In the National League, there are one, two, three teams tied for the final playoff position. Those teams are Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and San Francisco. The Reds are currently the seventh seed. They're a wild card, and they're just one win behind St. Louis, who is 26 and 25. The Reds are 28 and 27. Um, and the Cardinals are currently the sixth seed in the division leader, or excuse me, the second uh, division playoff spot behind the Chicago Cubs. The Reds and Cardinals are only I think, four and a half games behind the Chicago Cubs right now too, with uh, six five, six games to play for most teams. Things are getting really, really interesting in baseball and it's been so much fun to watch and as a Reds fan, it's been so much fun to be back in a pennant race in just meaningful September baseball that you're hanging on every pitch. perfect example is this is Monday night. The Reds come to the series against Milwaukee. And as you're listening to this, it's probably Wednesday. They're going to be playing the rubber match, I would guess, of that series on Wednesday night. But they came into this week with this series against Milwaukee knowing you absolutely unequivocally have to win this series. You would prefer to sweep it because you don't want Milwaukee to hang around, but you have to at least get two out of three from Milwaukee. The Reds were looking terrible for the first several innings of Monday night's game, and then an absolute moonshot Rocket home run off the bat of A. Eugenio Suarez, and then the floodgates open. The Reds run away with a six to three win. It was actually six to one until the ninth inning, but you know what I mean. So they finished six to three. But the Reds are they? There's magic in postseason baseball where all of a sudden the big hit happens or things like that happen. And and every game is a playoff game for the Reds right now. A week ago, their playoff chances were less than 20%. Now they're at 80% for them to make the playoffs. This obviously isn't a guarantee that they do. But Sonny Gray comes back. He's healthy. Luis Castillo has pitched as good as any pitcher in baseball has the month of September. Trevor Bauer has been Trevor Bauer. He's a Cy Young candidate, and he's going in the Wednesday game against Milwaukee. They're going to get him again for the final series against Minnesota. Everything is shaping up for the Reds to sneak their way in. On Monday night they won. Milwaukee, San Francisco, Philadelphia and Miami all lost, which put the Reds a game up where they currently stand right now. So things are looking really really good. And as I I'm going to click here and and I know that some of this and all of this, most of this is all going to have happened already by the time you hear this. But the Phillies and Nationals are tied in uh, in the 7th inning and they're playing a doubleheader so only 7 innings. If if the Nationals win that, that's great news for the Reds. The Brewers are up three-two on the Reds in the top of the eighth, which obviously the Reds need to win. That the Marlins are going to lose again to the Braves. It looks like the Pirates are up on the Cubs, which would be absolutely colossal. The Cardinals are up on the Royals, not necessarily surprising because Kansas City is really bad. You want to at least keep pace with those teams. The and then um, the Giants and Rockies don't play until later tonight, so. It's just it's just really, really fun. I'm having so much fun being a baseball fan and so much fun being a football fan and so much fun being a basketball fan all at the same time. I mean, how cool was it on Sunday Night Football? You have Al Day, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth talking about the Patriots and the Seahawks on NBC. Meanwhile, you got Anthony Davis hitting game-winning buzzing, buzzer beaters. This is the first time ever that that's happened. These two sports never, ever overlap like this. And this significance with the Western Conference finals, Anthony Davis hits a game winning buzzer beater. Meanwhile, you've got crazy games going on all across Major League Baseball. It is a really, really good time to be a sports fan. Oh, by the way, the National Hockey League is in the Stanley Cup finals. That series is tied one game to one the Dallas Stars and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Bryson DeChambeau wins the U.S. Open, ran away with it. It was just, it was awesome. Really, really incredible stuff. And uh, it's fun being a uh, an NFL fan. It's, or it's fun being a sports fan right now with uh, with everything going on. And I said NFL because I looked at my notes as a, as a few things, I uh, points I want to make here, a couple of thoughts uh, about what I think about the Bengals, and that's fine. Uh, Joe, Burrow is, Joe Burrow is the truth. I'm ready to say that. I said it last week. The dude is just good, and he needs help, and they need to be able to run the football, And I think they have a legitimate chance to win this weekend in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has the worst DVOA, which is uh, basically average of defensive value. Uh, Basically saying your defense is terrible is what the uh, DVOA means. Philadelphia has the worst in the NFL through two weeks. They cannot protect Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz looks awful. He was booed by the fans in Philly on Sunday and By the way, there were no fans in Philly on Sunday. They played a boo track at Lincoln Financial Field because the Eagles were playing so bad and Wentz was playing so bad. And that's, you know, what the Philly fans would have been doing. So, uh, obviously, Philly has a bit of their own problems. They can't protect him. He's been sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL. Yes, even more than Joe Burrow. So, I think that'll be interesting for the Bengals. I think they could surprise some teams. They very well could win back-to-back games because Jacksonville comes to town after that. Now, Jacksonville has looked a lot better than a lot of people expected them to be. But, but, as we know, you know, anything can happen uh, in the NFL. We saw that on Sunday with the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons, which leads me to the stat of the day. I don't have music for this yet, but I'm going to try to work on that. Stat of the day, stat of the day. Teams, oh, my God, I lost it. I had it in my head earlier. But teams leading, I think, by 17 or more points at halftime or something like that or whatever in the fourth quarter. I've, I've totally botched this entire thing. Long story short, teams in this particular situation that the Atlanta Falcons were in were 440-0 all time. They had never lost until Sunday when the Atlanta Falcons blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead to the Dallas Cowboys. They forgot the special teams rules. They didn't hop on an onside kick. Atlanta, wins the, uh, Atlanta loses the game. On a Greg Zerline kick for the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones lost his mind. So that basically does it for me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. And remember, and I know I don't have to remind you, but you know it, it is kind of what I do here. Ball don't lie. And uh, remember, download the Thrive Fantasy app, use promo code Audi. get involved in that way and do whatever you can uh, to enjoy football this weekend. In the meantime, Have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.